Welcome to Tanked Up, the podcast all about video games and crap. I'm Ben, and I'm joined. You're expecting Lucy, but she's not here. I'm joined by Adol. Hey! All the way from the frozen north. Which is actually quite quite warm, as I was just saying. Mm, probably about the same level, actually, isn't it? We've had this conversation hundreds and hundreds of times. So Saskatoon is more north than Calgary, so there's a chance that it's more north than Bristol, but not okay. by much. Okay, that's fair, that's fair. But someone else, a special guest joining us, but from the east. Not that far east, not as far east as you were weeks and weeks ago. It's Mr. Callamore. Hello, sir. Hello there. Yeah, How are you not doing? as far east as before. I'm doing good. Finally made it on the podcast. Yeah, back in the UK. Yep, living in London, living it up, maybe. <laughs> Partying hard. Oh, I don't know about that, but <laughs> living here, yeah, trying. Nice, nice. So, we'll get into that in a little bit. Let's crack open what we're drinking this evening, uh, Adol. It's very early where you are. Yeah, it is. It's 10 to 1 p.m. and I'm finishing off the morning pot of coffee. Nice. Uh, in that, uh, sister's house. So I don't even know. I couldn't even pretend to be like, oh, it's this roaster and do some bizarre tasting notes because I don't even know. I just went to the coffee container, ground some beans, and uh, made a giant pot. It is... That's fair. Coffee. And it tastes like coffee. Good. It's a reasonably good coffee. No, nothing. nothing I'm glad. I'm guessing it's Rocky Mountain House, but, you know. Okay. I'm glad it's not rubbish. So, Callum. Um, I, 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 I may have a cheeky beer on your second mm. round, but it'll be the mm. cheekiest of cheeky. That's fair. That's, that's all right. That's all right. I always love a cheeky beer. Yeah. Right. See what you can do. Callum, what are you going to drink this evening? I was a bit torn, wasn't too sure what to go for, but I figured that as I've just moved to Greenwich, and I live right next to Meantime Brewing, Ooh. not too sure about their beers, I've not been told the best things, but I thought I might as well pop by and grab one of their anytime IPAs, you know, something easy drinking, it's a true session IPA, packed full of hops with a little bitterness, I'm sure they all say that, they all do say that, <laughs> so let's just see exactly what it's like. <laughs> What's the what was the percentage on it? It is four point seven, so you know, fairly light for an yeah. IPA. Really, not too. I almost call it a session IPA these days. Yeah. Really, it's four point seven. Yeah, yeah, I expect so. So good, you crack that one. Get that poured. I am going to pour Ophelia from yonder. Oh. Um. It is. 5.8% and it says using our mixed culture saison base we have chosen to showcase one of the UK's prized foraged edibles gorse its distinctive tropical aroma thrives alongside British and European hops and the gentle acidity created by our house cultures um, these guys are making good beers so it's a nice hot day saison seemed about right seems reasonable I think it's two weeks in a row I've kicked off with a saison I had a saison to start last week as well so it's no, a, it's a good coming. early summer beer. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say they're coming into the the old fashion, well, fashion amongst craft beer drinkers now in the summer. The old 
saisons and sours and everything. We've had loads on tap where I'm working, so... Oh, yeah. where is that? I'm working at the Brewdog Tower Hill. Excellent. So, yeah, got the old Overworks t-shirt on, which I had to buy because it looks like Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> so I was like, fuck yeah, that looks awesome. Oh, what's the rules and swearing on this again? I can't remember. You can swear as much as you like. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. I wasn't too sure. It's yeah. fine. I mean, I think, I think so, it's yeah. every other episode uh, Ben says the word cunt. So. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I won't say this. You, you've you've done my allocation for this week for me, so I won't need to. Um, I won't need to. And unless, we, unless I start talking about EA or something, it usually yeah. brings it out in you. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about Nigel Farage. No, we won't talk about those sorts of things. We're going to talk about our beers. Callum, how is the yeah. beer? It's lovely to see a beer that's clear after everything mm. that I'm normally drinking. This haze <laughs> crazy going on. Yep, I've jumped on the bandwagon just a bit. I do love my hazy beers at the moment in my New Englands, but it's a lovely clear caramel. Pour quite a big head, quite an aggressive head in it. Could have been yep. the of my pour. But I've just been smelling it. It's a really lovely, on the aroma, a nice malt-driven. You can really get a lot of the caramel, the biscuit malts coming through mm. with just sort of the hints of the citrus coming through. Okay on the nose but it's not you know for a big for a 4.7 percent ipa you're not expecting too much in terms of the fruitiness and things like that mm. so it doesn't smell too bad despite the the kicking that i gave it at the start and that i've given meantime <laughs> it's got that uh, it's got that going for it nice yeah sadly the taste doesn't quite follow through as much as i was hoping mm. it's very much it's very much a 4.7 ipa Bit mm. of a watery start, you know. He comes through with the malt backbone, again that caramel, a little bit of biscuit, and you get some some a little bit of like grapefruit and citrus, a little bit like orange peel, but okay. you know just lacking a little bit in depth, I'd say. Yeah, you know, not too much. Don't know what pops they used in this actually. A pretty standard sort of quite light weeky kind of IPA, really. Yeah, they yeah. describe it as a true session IPA on the back actually, so. That's not too bad. Lower ABV, uh, low bitterness. I'd, I'd agree with them, actually, on exactly what they're writing here. Yeah, a bit mm. of pineapple and mango with that sort of clean, dry finish. Yeah, it, it's actually, you know, I know they sell them in, like, Sainsbury's and Tesco's and Mark Spencer's now. Yeah. I'd say, you know, it's not a bad go-to session IPA, that. A bit better than some of the other ones that I've had. Mm. Um, yeah, something a little bit different. I'm a bit more, bit more hopeful with the next, the next one. Yeah, yeah, I expect we'll see uh, a few more sort of session IPAs kicking around again with the with the summer uh, coming in. I mean, it's just everywhere you turn at the moment, it's high. You know, you're not really looking at many things lower than kind of six percent really for for IPAs these days. Yeah, I was looking in my fridge and I was like going through them all, and everything is at least seven eight percent. And you know, they're yeah. just single IPAs, half of them. And then you get <laughs> the doubles, you're like. Shit, I, I know I need to have a few beers. It's gonna, it's gonna turn into a big night for me then. <laughs> I mean, so you gotta be well, careful. Welcome to Tank Down. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, I have picked the lighter beer for my uh, for my first beer. Um, so which is which is the heaviest of the two on the table? Eh, yes, that's quite true. Mm. It would be it would be a lot heavier. This is a chunky, chunky glass bottle. What size is this bottle? Three seven five mil. Yes, half a wine bottle's worth. Um, it's a, uh, what was it, Ophelia, this one. 
So very hazy, but sort of a nice, oh, wow. lighter, slightly orangey color. No, you know, no head to it at all. There wasn't wasn't any as I poured. Um, the nose is sort of full of full of fruit, but also has this slight um, slight earthiness to it that I think in a slight spice to it that kind of you get a lot with the with the yonder beers. And I wonder whether that comes with their their house strain. Um, it was yeast, I think they use their house strain yeast, which you know has a little right. bit of a Belgian-y kind of esteriness to it to give it that little bit of spice in there as well. So it's got a nice, nice nose. And it's almost edging on, almost edging on a sour. It's got a tartness to it. Um, that spiciness kind of that's just lingering on the nose disappears in the flavour and actually you've got kind of a big fruit hit really um, that just sharpens really really quickly almost as soon as it kind of hits your tongue you've got that watery sort of very light mouthfeel to, to take back and then as soon as it hits your tongue there's just this sharpness to it um, even though it's tart and it's sharp it's actually quite refreshing are you getting much as like the the farmhouse funk that you get from saisons because that's what always puts me off them sometimes not a huge amount it, it is there and it is there sort of really low down in the background that that kind of that tart fruitiness is really the thing that punches you and it and it sticks around for a while as well so that kind of that earthiness that i was getting a little bit of on the nose isn't really there in the in the flavor um and it doesn't have that kind of that slight earthy or grassy or sort of peaty kind of uh, flavor that you can kind of get with a few saisons. Um, so I don't think it would put you off, uh, but it, it's not a, I don't think they call it a saison. They just said that it's, they use their saison base. Um, All right. It doesn't give Ow. me a style, I don't think anywhere. Um, so, I mean, it just says it's uh, just Ophelia, it calls itself doesn't give me a style so it's kind of um it has you know in the nose it smelled like a saison definitely but in the flavor it's much more of a uh, much more of a tart sort of sour hmm. which is fine wasn't it's not what i was expecting uh but works quite well on you know a nice hot day like today um and and again it does have a tartness to it, it does have a, a little bit of that that, that fruity sharpness to it but actually, it's nice and refreshing. It's very, very wet as well, which really helps uh, and makes it go down sort of a lot easier. Um, that's that is going to go down nice and quick, I think. Even with that sort of that tongue tingliness to it, it's kind of as I say, it's wet as it goes back, but it dries quite quickly, and it does leave you with that that sort of sharp fruitiness to it. So you kind of, I'm definitely going to reach because I want to sort of refresh my palate, I think, more, slightly more than I uh, I would normally, so. Right. It's one of those beers. Mmm. Mmm. I like this. Good. Right. Let's talk about some stuff. We're going to talk about video games. But first, Callum, you've had a little bit of a roundabout journey the last sort of year or so. Just a bit, yeah. Been all over the place, <laughs> haven't I? Yeah. Following you guys, as always, all the way through it. Was, uh, nice, left, nice. Started listening to you guys in Scotland, I think. It was a 
about three and a bit years ago now. Yeah. When you started, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, then hopped yeah. over to Australia just for a little bit. <laughs> Got my residency out there. Sort of felt that was when I really fell in love with craft beer. Was mm. when I went out there. And yeah, stayed there for about three years, jumping around craft breweries. Was Got it really that long? It was just under. It was about okay. Just over two and a half years. Yeah. So quite a while over there, and like I say, got into the craft beer scene quite heavily, mm. and ended up running a craft beer, well, running a brewery, and yeah. their tap room and everything, and yeah, was doing all of that, and only recently came back to London, uh, some health reasons and a few other bits and pieces, wanted to see family, you know, it never really felt like home, even though I was there yeah. for two and a half years. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, it was it was really weird. Like I was happy, loved the job and everything, but just wasn't too sure. Mm. And then yeah, I've come back and now I'm getting into London. So working in in London in the craft beer scene over here, constantly days made up of drinking beer, reviewing beer, and <laughs> play, playing games wherever I can, whenever nice, I can get nice. the time. Because you've got quite a big um, quite a big sort of presence on Instagram, which I think did you start that whilst you were in Australia? Uh. I did a bit, but really I started the Instagram over here. When okay. I was in Australia, I was doing it more through the Australian, like there's a big craft beer, it's called the CBC, it's a big craft beer group on Facebook, mm. and that's when I started doing my reviews. So I would, you know, use Untapped, do a little bit of Untapped, but I never really reviewed them on Untapped. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say one of your guests you had a few weeks ago was saying they hate it when people review the beers on Untapped with yeah, the stars. Cool, yeah. yeah. Uh, which I never do. I leave tasting notes if it was good or bad and things like that, but I never like to leave a star rating because I'm sure there's beers that I would have rated five stars a, a couple of years ago that I wouldn't do anymore. Yeah. You know, your, your palate evolves so quickly, like looking mm. at saisons and things. When I first started drinking them, I hated saisons and sours. And now they're still very much sort of thing that, you know, you don't, I don't reach for, but in the right sort of mood, you can appreciate you know, you appreciate yeah. the craft behind it. Yeah, uh, but I mean, yeah. I remember when we started dabbling with sours, we were much the same way a couple couple summers ago. We were all just like, Bleh. and now all three of us are like, hey, there was a sour I tried. This is really interesting. Mm. So yeah, I started my Instagram pretty much when I got over here. I was like, oh, I might as well try and build up a bit of a following on that. I've seen a lot of people, a lot of other beer Instagrammers, I was like, yeah. hey, you know, I might as well jump in. I'm doing my Cicerone stuff at the moment, so nice. Uh, I was like, I might as well, you know, give me an excuse to have a beer every night and you know do a big mm. in-depth review and just see what people say about it. So I'm sort of loving being in the industry right now. Nice, nice. And how are you uh, how are you sort of like finding the the difference between kind of uh, you know like working in a bar versus and the interactions that you get there about beers and things like that versus the interactions you have sort of like on social media about it is there a big difference well, between the two it depends on which bars you're at very much because yeah. I worked at all the little like when I was in Australia I was working at a lot of the, like the proper craft beer tap rooms where mm. you're getting mm -hmm. other like enthusiasts and experts in and you can properly talk to them about you know the yeast the hops all the yeah. different levels what sort of basically the the major nuances behind it. Whereas at the moment, I'm in Brewdog Tower Hill, where everyone you're working with is into their craft beer. But being in Tower Hill, a big sort of office district, 
you get your suits coming in the whole time and you know yeah. you've got a beer a tap list of 34 35 you know not all amazing craft beers there's quite mm. a few shitty ones that go up there but you know a good 10 12 of them are these amazing craft beers and they walk and they go yeah can i have a heineken mm. and you're just like oh god yeah or uh, what's the what's the most bo- most normal lager you've got and so it's just like <laughs> jesus christ Go over the go over the road, mate. It's, there's a Weatherspoons just over there. Yeah. But so, yeah, I, I although I quite enjoy the challenge of you know every now and again you get someone in that you know they don't know their beer and they know they don't, but you can sort of try and challenge them. So sort of go, okay, yeah, here's your lager, but try this and try this. You know, maybe you'll want to try you know this IPA next, or you know if you want something a bit fruitier, you know, try this sour this saison. You know, you don't have to buy a pint of it, just buy a yeah. half, and you know just have it as to something to sip on because. I can't drink a pint of a sour, so mm, you know it's uh, yeah. But the the conversations you get are very much different between that and on social media. I found yeah, right. like, it's uh, the Instagrammers. Instagram following is always really good because people that find you are people that are interested in it, so mm. they can appreciate it. Uh, and same with Facebook, really. You know, I only post it up on the right places in Facebook. I don't post it up on my yeah. general feed because. I'd probably get labeled an alcoholic and I'd have to go to rehab. So uh, try and try and post it up in, in places where it can, you know, you can get away with it. Yeah, that's fair. It makes sense as well. It's nice to kind of, you know, not have the, um, you know, like an echo chamber as such, but to just be able to surround yourself with the right sort of people and the right people well, to people kind of who interact are with. Interested? No, yeah. it's not sort of like the right people. It's just like people who are wanting to do this thing. And like if it's a person who loves a totally different type of beer than you that's mm. fine right it's not like that would be an echo chamber if it was like the ip hate apa circle or the ip hate circle or yeah. whatever right but like there's a difference between, between people who are keen on craft beer and people who are yeah just like you know you wouldn't want to hang out if you were like really into board games you would you know go down the down to the land cafe and hope that there were people who may be also interested in it you want to sure. go to a place where there's yeah you know people into it yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm a, you know, as also being working at Brewdog, you know, there's quite a bit of a love hate thing going on with Brewdog as well. You know, mm. you know, craft brewery and all this sort of stuff. But you get a lot of people that you know they walk in, they're craft beer fans, but because it's Brewdog, it's shit. So, <laughs> yeah, one of the things that I've got to say is, since working there, you know, yeah, they may have their problems, and there may be a few different things that go up and down with them. But you know, I've been treated so well you know i'm just a bar staff at the moment you know yeah. i'm not even up in the management or anything and they recognize when you're passionate about it and they recognize when it's something that you love and you know since then you know they've set in places set in place for me to move up into management positions you know already mm. i've only been there a few weeks oh wow they, you know they they can tell when you're passionate and when you want to work and they really will look after you because like i said to you i got offered that job at left-handed giant yeah and you know left-handed giant that's a dream brewery a dream position but they couldn't guarantee the same sort of progression basically sure. i want to move up and you know learn and grow and they couldn't guarantee that it'd be a dream place to work mm. but you know they were really honest with me and they were just like yeah all our management positions are taken with people that have been in the company for a long time and they're so, not looking to grow right so then yeah space. they're gonna yeah they'll grow but it's gonna take them a long time whereas as you've seen brewdog are growing exponentially at the moment mm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, you know, you get your love-hate. you got to, 
you just got to take them chin when they, when people walk in or you know other people on the craft beer farms hate brewdog just because it's brewdog yeah not because they drank the beer if you know what i mean yeah i mean they're it's funny because they're like the biggest fish in the craft beer uk pond but they're still in the small pond but people are like well you're the big fish and so we must hate you yeah but yeah you're right there have been a few missteps um yeah but, and we've talked at length about how like if it wasn't brew dog you just wouldn't have the craft beer penetration in the no. most parts of the uk at mm. all i know people who like craft beer um and when you know go to a house party they've got a four pack of like dead pony club or that what elvis juice or whatever that one's called yeah I'll, I'll quite frequently if i go to a supermarket if you need, if you want a beer, I'll grab an Elvis juice. You know, it's the, one of their high headliners, their core sort of range, but it's a damn good beer. It's actually, you know, it's a really good, easy drinker. Especially if you're like in the sun. Yeah. Mm. It's dangerous as well because it's six and a half percent. So you know, you can <laughs> smash back a few pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. It's kind of it, it, it's an odd one with with Brewdog because they've they've built themselves up kind of so big now and they've penetrated so much that they are kind of you know one of the supermarket beers of choice for a lot of people now um especially if you you know you go to the bottle shop even every every week or every other week or something kind of you're in the supermarket a lot more frequently than you probably are the bottle shop and it's very easy to just speak for yourself (laughs) that's fair that's fair when you've got children you're in there Every fucking day, <laughs> almost every fucking day. Um, when you've got one shelf in a shared fridge, it's also there every day. <laughs> oh, I know, I exactly. know that pain. My flatmates hate me at the moment because I'm just taking up shelves and shelves of all this craft beer. There's nothing left. No, space right, left you haven't got the um, you haven't got the beer fridge in the bedroom yet. I'm I've I've been looking. You should see my Amazon wish list. There's a few in there that I'm like, as soon as I get a bit of spare money, I'm getting a couple in here. That's funny. I uh, yeah, I just. I just keep all my beer in the. I have to pre-plan, so I keep all my beer basically in there, like in the bedroom, mm. on my like, shelf, and then I just take a couple down to use the space I have. So often it's like walk downstairs to where the fridge is with the b- warm beer to swap it for a cold beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get to that. I have major FOMO when it comes to beer, so if I see something new in the fridges somewhere, even though I'm like, fuck, my fridge is full, but. If they sell out, I'm never gonna have it. So oh, yeah, I've got to, I've got to buy it now. So I need, I think, to, I need I think, to try and get over that. Yeah, I think the advantage of doing this podcast for this many years is that, like, realizing, well, we I've never had a problem finding. I mean, we're blessed in Bristol, but like, I've never had a problem really finding a new beer or two, two beers a week, right? And so it's like, okay, I might not get this one, but it'll be replaced with something equally new. And also, I think having the like this is the place I need, I need to try new beers. And then the rest of my week can be, if I want to try new beers, maybe, but if not, that's not a big deal because I have this like dedicated space for like, this is the ne- necessary new beer stuff versus yeah. before that, or even in the beginning, it was like, I need to try all the new beers all of the times. <laughs> and then my, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in that place right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard place to get out of as well. Um, you know, especially when a lot of breweries are just pumping out new beers almost every week. You get someone like Left Handed Giant, 
and they've got four new five new beers that come out almost every week and it's crazy just to try and keep up even with one brewer and try everything and keep up with bristol then you're going to be yeah i was going to say because i've got you know the beer mile right next to me and there's verdant yeah. and pressure drop oh, and there's dea verdant pressure drop and dea release like three beers each every week Every mm. Friday, it's a, this is going up up on our bottle shop online at Friday, Friday at 12 p.m. And I'm like, fucking hell, that's my paycheck. Gone. <laughs> but I want to try that beer so bad. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's painful going right. If I just make it past, like, Saturday and not buy it, it'll be sold out, so I won't worry about it then. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, I think the wife would be very, very angry if I spent my paycheck all on beer. It's very, oh. very tempting. Especially when you go in the bottle shop and they've just restocked, you know, like on a Friday afternoon <laughs> and they've restocked with all of the new stuff that they've had in kind of like through the week. You're like, well, I could just get this one from Pressure Drop. I could just get this one from Left Handed Giant. I could just grab this one from Verdant. And you just kind of suddenly you're yeah. 15 beers deep. You think, oh, I've got no, to get rid of was, some of these. I was going in for one with the Chinese tonight and now mm. I've got enough for the next week. <laughs> Oh, craft beer problems. Yep. That's how we have to label. That's not a hashtag. It is now. <laughs> I'm, I, well, I'm sure there's all sorts I think, of. I think that should be a hashtag problems. for when you when you like come home with a haul. Like a picture of all seven beers that you picked up. I'll, I'll add it to my my Instagram hashtag list that I have to. Yeah. <laughs> just thousands. That's all it will be now. It'll be a review, but it should be three words and then hundreds of hashtags from everything <laughs> that you need to be able to sort of. Basically, how it oh. works, it? Yeah, that's exactly how it works. Get those <laughs> likes, get those likes. Um, obviously, I'm glad I'm never used untapped. I think if I did, I'd, I never would have emerged on the other side of the must try, must have all beers because I must add to my like record of beers. And also, if someone tried a beer, I could have an opinion on it. And now it's like, yeah, no, I, I like being kind of oblivious. <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I think I've, like you, Ado, I think I've got to kind of like that other side of the um, of the FOMO on sort of new beer releases. And it is very much like, okay, I will just get this. You know, there are three new beers from Verdant, plus, you know, the, the like two core beers that they've just brought back out again, which I know I really like. And actually, I'll just get this one beer from them that I've not yeah. had before. And I'll just maybe just get this one from this brewer that I've not had before. And I end up normally in a bottle shop run, I suppose every two weeks. I've only get something like eight beers these days, you know, around about that, something like that. Yeah. Uh, mostly for mostly for this and a couple of beers sort of through the week, just to sort of tide me over about halfway through or for the weekend or something like that. But it's then you know the nice core new world ipa or now it's in tesco's a few cans of cannonball um, right you know, stuff that i was already kind of getting that was already in my like weekly food shop that i kind of just go okay i'll just i'll have these as well it's <laughs> fine um i did right. uh, i did drop into um audi last week where i normally do my food shop and they've got some new beers in as well um i tried four of them one of which was really, really good, which was a Pilsner, little little three thirty mil can. Um, no idea who brewed it, not a clue. A good um, Pilsner, but it was a good Pilsner. I was happy with it. The rest of them were very weak and very sort of like I wouldn't drink this again. But 
I think it was like £1.40 for a can. So I'm like, okay, that's going on the shopping list almost every week now, I would imagine. A few yes. of those straight away. Well, that was one so, of the yeah. nice things about that Anytime IPA. It was one sixty for the can. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Can't really go nice. wrong there. Cheap, easy drinking. You know, you can see why people smash it back. Mm. But then, since coming back from Australia, I keep messaging all them, the guys back home, about how much I'm buying things like cloud water and rodent for where when i was yeah. living over there yeah. i was spending 30 dollars to get a can of cloud water or verdant fuck just because I mean, you know it's the british it's the yeah uh and over here uh, in our fridge in tower hill we're selling cloud water double dry hop double ipa for two pound fifty mm. it's just like you really can't go wrong with that you know I, d yeah. I don't know how we've still got it in the fridges but you know people that don't know craft beer don't know what yeah. that means yeah, completely completely as you were saying earlier the, the difference between kind of that that group that's been sort of cultivated on social media and things versus the kind of like the regulars going into somewhere like um somewhere like brewdog and i imagine you know had you have gone to left-handed giant or something you'd have had a, a different experience there yeah, with the yeah. kind of with the punters going in uh, to buy beer from there even though their new um their new brewery and their new tap room is kind of in this very um very busy uh redeveloped area of bristol where there's a lots of sort of new flats lots of offices that have been going in right in the city center that perhaps it may have you know just down the road actually from the um from from the brew dog in bristol um you know that that maybe that clientele kind of changes over time that perhaps brew dog you know when they first opened their bar the people that went in there were all craft beer enthusiasts and that's kind of who they drew in first and it's slowly over time as kind of that penetration has happened and you know even even for people who don't drink craft beer they'll know the name Brewdog and, and a few other brewers and things that that's suddenly like okay let's just try here and go in and get a get a beer that perhaps at least in bristol left-handed giant you know then very well known in the scene here that that name kind of then creeps in to you know the general populace for people to sort of yeah. to go in and the, the 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 clientele to kind of shift and change over time uh, be interesting to well be interesting to go down straight away and see kind of the vibe and what's happening as soon as they open but then to go back a year later and see kind of how that's different and then a year later again and yeah. see what's changed so a little experiment for me and adol when you when you <laughs> get back and when they open, well, I, sometime I'll, I'll try and get June. a few trips over to Bristol as well. Help you out with that sort of, you know, <laughs> study. That's it. We got Lucy down as well. Like an experiment. It's an experiment. Exactly. We've got to work. Empirical data. Exactly. Perfect. Right. So, um, how you doing for your beer, Callum? Just on the the dregs now. Just on the dregs. Ooh, ooh. All right. Should yeah, we? Should we chat a little bit about your topic, Adol? My topic? Yes. Yeah, sure. So Microsoft just had a press release t -t -t today um, on their approach to PC gaming. And it's basically that they've remembered PC gamers exist and they have a monopoly <laughs> on the platform. And um, I think it shows how how they're approaching the new generation, which makes mm. sense because they've been projecting things forward with trying to get to more a universalized space. Um, 
But basically, there's three parts. So I'll just quickly outline the three parts um, to their up sort of their, their approach as they say it, and then we can talk in some details. Yeah. Basically, well, first of all, they say they believe the player should be at the center of their gaming experience and to be able to harness the unique benefits of the devices they choose on. Nor is that belief more important than on a PC. Blah, 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 blah. So, first thing, they are introducing the, the Xbox Games Pass designed specifically for the PC. So right now, if you were a Game Pass um, subscriber and it was a cross-platform um, title, you could you would get the title for free on the Windows Store as well. Mm -hmm. um, but that was the extent of the Games Pass for PC, and now they're basically making a, a, a Games Pass um, P PC strand, strand or stream. Um, and so they're starting with, it looks like they're aiming for 100 high-quality PC games on Windows 10 from Bethesda, Deep Silver, Devolver Digital, Pandoc, uh, Paradox Interactive, Sega, etc. And, of course, Microsoft themselves. Um, mm. And also, I think that what's really interesting is they're giving a 20% discount to... Uh, if you're a Games Pass PC member, you'll get discounts on the Microsoft Store... Uh, and 10% off on DLC and add-ons. It's not clear whether they mean games in, like, Microsoft games or Games Pass um, things or a 20% blanket. I'm assuming it's 20% off, like, Games Pass-type games because I don't think you would get a 20% yeah, overall this discount. Is currently in the library, so... Yeah, but it's not clear if they mean, like, the library of the Microsoft Store. Or the oh. library of the yeah, game, the Game Pass library. Yeah. yeah. Um, then the second part is they are pushing cross-platform and cross-network play through Windows 10 uh, PCs and consoles. And what that means is they're aiming for cross-play, which I think is a huge thing. But also, they are they've realized that they're not the competitive store, and so they're aiming for. Uh, Xbox Game Studio PC games available in multiple stores. So not mm. just the Microsoft Store and Windows at launch. Um, so they're pushing back, I think, against this the, this notion that um, Epic has been sort of stealing exclusives. And now they're saying, you know, what we'll do is we won't, we'll explicitly not do exclusives. You want yeah. If our game comes out on Windows, it'll come out, out on a bunch of stores so that you can pick. Which is nice, because I can play the new Age of Empires when it actually comes out where I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the last part is is supporting Win32 games on Windows 10. So they're refocusing on making sure that you can play Windows 32 um, games uh, on full support uh, on the Microsoft Store, but also, I think, on Windows 10, making sure things run properly. So it sounds like they're basically going to do something akin to like DOSBox, but for Win32, just making sure that there's compatibility, because I know more recently some older games haven't worked great mm, since yeah. Windows 8 onwards, and so I think they've refocused and realized that like, backwards compatibility is a thing that console um, owners want, but more importantly, PC expects, and they've definitely not been doing that. And yeah. so yeah. I'm really happy to see them say specifically... Windows 32 applications because that's not a platform. Like Win32, it's clearly that they're saying this like type of ex executable will work. Yeah, I think it's like you know they've they've seen how much love they got from their backwards compatibility and the fact that that mm. put them above Nintendo and Sony in so many gamers' eyes. And you know, like you said, they've not been doing that so much with the Windows Store and just sort of saying, look, 
we got your backs as well. So yeah, I'm an Xbox gamer. I've, I've well, I've been a PC gamer most of most of the time through Australia and mo- my whole life pretty much been a PC gamer, and got the Xbox One as well. But yeah, it's I've always felt you know quite tight to Microsoft and things, and yeah, it's good to see them looking after us there. Do you have a One X or a One? One X. Oh, hardcore! Yeah, love it. I love it. Got that with my my Philips TV with the ambilight as well. Sit there, turn oh. the lights off. Stick on, stick on whatever I'm playing. It's great with a couple of beers, of course. Nice, nice. Do you do you have uh, Game Pass at the moment? I don't actually. I've been waiting for either some time when I've got time off or mm. something like that to try. You know, jump in with the one pound. You know, your first month. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, I'll jump in now. See whether it's actually worth it because, like I was saying, I don't get that much time to game really. It's mm. only you know half an hour here, an hour there, if I'm yeah. lucky. That's actually why I'm, even though this sounds really cool, I'm not so, I'm pretty sure I won't be a customer between like That's my problem. PlayStation Plus games and Humble Bundle games and my infinite backlog. Like, I don't need another library of games. Yeah. Like, yeah, and that's fair. I think sometimes it's that the, the thing that would kind of pull me is maybe the games that release kind of like day and date with the other platforms that come to game pass right so uh i know that uh void bastards uh dropped yesterday or at some point this week that really tempted me to get game pass when i saw that was free on it i was like shit for a pound for the next month i could play that because yeah i've been trying to decide since knowing i was coming to the podcast i've been like i should stop playing another game (laughs) and i saw that and was like that looks so cool like (laughs) <laughs> really cool game you know developers that i absolutely love i was like down for a pound i could play it for another month yeah yeah so, it's, you know. it's, it's definitely tempted me um with this kind of with this news that once there's maybe uh you know 10 or 12 games that i know i'm going to kind of like dip my toes into and stuff i think with it coming to pc i'll definitely i'll definitely try the the trial out um but then there's just another pull away from doing work. <laughs> another another store somewhere to try and stop yeah, yeah. me from working all day. The AutoCAD icon sitting next to the, the Void Bastards icon. You know which <laughs> exactly which one you got to pick. That's right, I can dual screen. It's fine. <laughs> <sighs> Maybe not quite. Um, but it's it's kind of, it's one of those that, you know, when like Gears 5 drops or if a new Age of Empires drops, things like that, that you're kind of, you know, yeah, you're sort of, tempted and like oh now i have somewhere else that i can that i can play them not just by paying you know full price for these things through a store on another platform on my pc that actually you know it's come as part of this service it makes that service a little bit more tantalizing uh, to be yeah. able to kind of pick up and, and obviously then if you're happy to pay a little bit extra you don't want the the full service you just want one game then it's easy to then be able to go to Steam and and pick up a game, or yeah. when it drops in a Steam sale uh, of you know half the price or, or whatever the discount would be, to be able to go actually Gears Five six months or nine months after it releases is fifty percent off in the Steam sale. That's when I'll pick it up. Um, it's nice to have that kind of flexibility, and it's nice to have those options and the accessibility to to the library and everything else. So. It's a good thing, 
but it's also a bad thing because it's too tempting. Well, I think it's not market. I mean, think it, uh, the way I see it is we're we're not the people that Microsoft is aiming for. But like us ten years ago, this would be mm. right, right? Oh, so the yeah. fact that they that in their second they're sort of buying Microsoft Studios games anywhere, the fact that they name drop Steam, it shows that they've finally pivoted from bogging down their studios shit in the Microsoft store. Like they yeah. realized we're not going to win the Star Wars. I think when Epic came along with their buckets of money and immediately started pudging Steam, they're like, okay, the real fight's between these two. We're, we're, just, we're being outclassed. Let's forget about that and work with both of them and then be, play this off, which I think is a really good idea. Mm. Fuck, who cares? Like if you if you if you end up having being an Epic Store fan uh, and I end up being a staying a Steam fan, what's important is can we both get the game? And thus play together. Yeah, and it seems like that's what they're aiming for. Is okay. Yeah, we've got our store, and it will be a good place for us to have money. But we're never going to win this war. So let's just, you know, if people buy from the Microsoft Store, then sure, they will probably get a bigger cut because we own the store. But other mm -hmm. than that, it doesn't matter. So let's just fucking like let's let's play ball and let's show people we're playing ball on all the levels. And I think stuff like this means that in the next generation i'm going to be looking to see what their console does and how well it interacts because they're showing me they care about how we interact with the, with our friends and other platforms and you know and games i own staying staying in my library but does I think this, you know a lot what? of it i was gonna say i think a lot of it shows their twist their sort of pivot to realize that they're not a gaming platform anymore and they're gonna they're not a hardware platform they're a cloud platform yeah which you know it's been ushered in for so long that's why they're starting all this cross-platform play they're the one that are promoting it and i heard a really good discussion the other day on kotaku i think it was and they were talking about the fact that you know it's only gonna be so long before sony have got the xbox live game pass and you know mm. the the xbox live games on there and it's going to be interesting to see exactly maybe not this generation but next as to where they even bring out a console to compete you know a flagship console or whether they bring out something that's like a yeah we can bring this out it's gonna be half the price of the sony one we're not gonna have flagships the way sony does flagship games but this is going to be able to play everything we do it's gonna be half the price and you know all the games that they're they're playing that you want to play on them we've got too but we're not charging you five cents or a quid. We're charging you half that, and you know, it's it's all based in the cloud. From then, it's Completely. almost as if they're defending against this Google game now, rather yeah. than Sony, because they realised they're in the same boat as Sony are now, and they're all going to have to compete against them. Yeah, I mean, the 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 fact that right now the difference between the Xbox and the PlayStation is negligible on the hardware side. It's only going to get worse, and like you said, the hardware is going to matter less and less because. I mean, if 5G, 5G comes along, then there, you won't have a problem with getting access to high-speed internet there because yeah. it'll blanket the world, and that's going to be a very big change. Because mm. that's what helped back the Xbox One was, like, the always-on notion seemed crazy because yeah. half of the states has really shitty um, access to internet, let alone... Well, you know, I, when I was living in Scotland, I couldn't buy an Xbox or anything with online play because I was living in a rural farm in Scotland and it was faster for me to go to the city and download a song than Jeez. download a song in rural Scotland because it would take three or four days to download one song for an album. If I wanted to download a film or a TV show, it would take a, probably a week. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 
you can't you can't do online play with that. I still can't get Netflix at home in Scotland. Really? Because Oof. you know the internet's just too slow. Yeah, and I think that's it's the same for you know still a large part of the world. You know, yeah. not just kind of like rural areas in our country and in the states. It's it's you know it's a, it's a huge part of the states really that don't have that level of of access. Um, I think what Sony offers and will continue to offer is here is our here is the box buy the box here is the game buy the game play the game on the box yeah, uh, yeah. Microsoft moving more towards um, to cloud sort of services um, the idea that suddenly they're a platform and maybe maybe they are more of a, a storefront as such or just a platform to be able to play sort of games through almost as um, as Gog is sort of pivoting towards you know that yeah. idea that they can take on all of your libraries of games and kind of have it in one place um, it's a very very interesting time to see kind of how all of this does develop because of course internet connections are being improved in places they're being put into more rural places uh, that will and should only improve and as you say with 5G as well it's it's even easier to not have to have a cable uh, and a hard connection to be able to get uh, to be able to get decent internet somewhere so it is like super interesting to see how this builds into their kind of like the long-term strategy which i assume they'll probably give a little bit more of a, a e3 i'd imagine after revealing that they're working on a new console last year that you'll hear a little bit more about that uh next week next week week after about a week away, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, a week this weekend, I think, isn't it? Or two yeah, weeks this weekend. Yeah. Wait, no, it's June 6th or is it the 15th? Yeah. I think it says at the bottom of the article... Um, oh, I didn't close the article. June 9th, the Xbox E3 2019 briefing is on Sunday, June 9th. Yeah, so a week this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It does say, including uh, to, to hear more, including the amazing lineup of new games and offers coming to PC players. So they're obviously going to touch on this a little bit more, you know, past this kind of, this press release. Um, so yeah, interesting times. Yeah, the fact that it's going to be a while before, you know, the cross-platform and all that sort of stuff, you know, be after this generation, does make me quite excited to think what headline games might they be bringing out. Mm. Like, just Xbox games, because if they can get a foothold in the market this generation, and then bring out that, you know, that's when you're not going to be looking at Sony and Microsoft, what hardware they've got. You're going to be looking mm. at what games they've got in the library. And if yeah. they've already got a hardware dominant position, then they're sorted. So it's sort of like this, this sort of, I see this is a sort of generation to sort of, you know, jump in and see exactly where it's going to go from here. And if, if they can get a flag, uh, a foothold, then they would probably be able to hold it with the fact that they've got cloud under their belt, whereas mm. Sony doesn't have any of that. Yeah, interesting transition period then. Yeah. To kind of see how we're going to progress in the future. And definitely Microsoft are pushing, I think, a little bit more than, than Sony in that kind of regard and future-proofing themselves and looking towards kind of how they how they're going to be operating in the future, even in these sort of early tentative sort of steps towards things. And, it's all fun. It's all going to be good over the next, like, 10 years, 15 years, 400 years of knowing how games are going to evolve and they just beam to our eyes from nowhere. Yeah, Everyone's yeah. just moving like this constantly. 
to do things in games not need oculus whatever it's called vr things and pads and stuff i don't know what this is some kind of you know slashing dual wielding of some kind oh, I anyway it, yeah Actually, you were playing Beat Saber in your head. That's it. I was. I was playing Beat Saber, but a very repetitive motion and no change in what they're telling you to do whatsoever. So, <laughs> let's move on and let's open up another beer. <laughs> Callum, what are you going yeah. to be uh, drinking now? So, beer number two. I work for BrewDog, so I had to get a BrewDog beer in. Yeah. So, I'm going for Multitrack, the collaboration they did with Bearded Iris. Okay. We had it on tap. So I have tried it before. I've not had it from Cannes yet. Uh, 8.5%. Supposed to be a New England IPA. Released not so long ago. More than a duet. This IPA is set to storm the charts thanks to high fidelity of hops and a baseline of wheat notes. Juicy stone fruit, citrus and smooth bitterness in a perfect fit pitch finish. Um, so Bearded Iris is a Nashville, Tennessee brewery putting out hyper-fresh, unfiltered mm. beer. Soft, flavorful, hop-forward beers. Um, yeah, so it's branded as a... We branded it as a New England IPA. Um, and, yeah, it's supposed to be quite, you know... I'm expecting from Can your classic New England flavors. Juicy, fruity, yeah. low bitterness, nice and smooth. Hazy, of course. Yeah. So, let's see. Ooh, upon opening the can, there's a good aroma from that. That's always positive. That's always good. That's always good. While you pour, let's jump to you, Adol. Did you manage to grab yourself a beer? I did, but I'm at my brother's, so I grabbed. Oh. I've never had it on the pod before. No, um, I don't think we you're have. You're not watching the uh, the stream or the video. It is a Jamaican beer called Red Stripe. But I do get to use this fantastic bottle opener. Nice, that's very good. It's a luchador, man. It's a luchador, nice. I like, uh, I like the red stripe bottles over there. They're a lot nicer than the uh, than the standard ones over here. Well, what do we have? Yeah. I mean, I have never brought it in the UK. What do you? What's it? Lies. What? What kind of? It's not in these little chubby. It's beers. not in the chubby bottles. No, it's in a just no. a standard three thirty mil bottle oh, that you get sort of every day. That's right. That's terrible. Yeah. Oh well, we'll live. We'll live. Um, whilst you pour, I'm going to crack open from Verdant the okay. Too Many Opinions Water Down the Original Idea West Coast Double IPA. Uh, it's conversating everywhere, all over my jeans. Definitely water. Um, too Many Opinions, they just say on the back. It's a very long title for a beer. Um, it just has a clean malt bill and tons of piney, resinous, Simcoe, Amarillo, Cascade, Columbus, and Chinook. Oh, fucking hell, five fucking hops. All right. Yeah. Uh, extra pale ale and caramel, and the yeast is um, BRY97. There we go. That's all I'm going to have. I shall pour it into my... Oh, what did I say? 8%. 8%. Uh, Callum, we'll come back to you. Yeah, so... On the nose, the head's gone a bit, as you'll see. Yeah. She's a hazy one. Mm. Lovely colour door. Oh, uh, yeah. it, had a, it did have a nice bit of head on it. You know, not too much, just enough to give it that sort of definition. The nose is starting to fade now, obviously. 
but at the start it was you know you got a lot of tropical notes loads of stone fruit loads of grapefruit a little bit of that sort of you know the tropical pineapple mango guava lychee yeah but a real dank backbone to it you know you get a mm. real grassy bitter sort of finish on the nose nice uh yeah like like i say properly dank and hoppy with that sort of piney sort of finish uh, a little bit of like a sort of slight stewed fruit sweetness to it, and that's probably the alcohol coming through a bit on the nose. Mm. Uh, just sort of, you know, muddling with the fruits as well, just sort of giving those sort of flavours. But it's it smells like a proper New England, you know, juicy, fruity. It smells probably a little bit too hoppy to be a proper New England, but yeah. And from my previous taste, I sort of know what's coming. <laughs> have you um have you had anything from bearded iris before never never had anything from bearded iris uh so i was when this went up i was very excited for it and it's actually tasting better out the can than it oh, did really? on the tap which i wasn't expecting yeah, that could quite... be because the flavors have just dulled a little bit it's not as fresh because i was yeah. drinking it when it's fresh from the keg uh flavors are quite muted to start with you know it's a really really smooth delicate sort of flavor to start with uh and then you get a quite a, a bitter sort of hit at the front which mm. you know it's a new england you'd expect that from a west coast or something like that but from yeah. a new england ipa you don't want that bitter sort of fit start um yeah so that you get a really dry bitter sort of start like a that sort of pithy, you know, biting into a grapefruit rind or orange rind sort of start. And then the tropical notes start to come in. And that's when it turns into its New England. Right. You know, you get tropical, tropical pineapple, a lot of mango, actually. You know, that slightly sweeter, sort of slightly sickly, sort of mm. mango sort of coming through, giving it a little bit of richness. Uh, really smooth body, really juicy, fruity. Uh, a little bit of that creamy it's almost as if they put some oats in or lactose yeah, yeah. or something like that in there oh, you know okay. just smooth out the body give it a little bit of sweetness uh brings out a little bit more of the fruits towards the finish just as the tropical sort of um pineapple those sort of fresher fruits start to fade off you get a little bit of a citrus finish yeah and then you get a little bit of some of the a little bit of like a grassy sort of hoppy finish, but it's really mm. smooth. You don't get nice. the bitterness at the end at all. It just it just all fades off, you know, just sort of layers okay. off towards the end. Uh, and it's not too dry or anything. Quite a sort of, you know, from the full creamy sort of uh, New England style, it just right. sort of fades off into nothing. It leaves you quite a sort of a wet sort of mouthfeel. Mm. But as you can tell, just from reviewing it there, I drank half that because it was actually really, <laughs> really tasty, actually. It's because... Uh, on tap, it was really overly bitter. You know, it was it was proper West Coast with as if they were trying to chuck a West Coast into a New England mm. when it was on tap. It it was completely unbalanced. Whereas that has, you know, it's gone down a lot better. I'm, I'm impressed nice. with that one last time. That's good. Nice, nice. I think I I felt something similar um, to I think it was um, a beer called Green Line from Left Handed Giant, which when I had in the can. Uh, it was almost sort of like the opposite though. When I had it in the can, it was kind of like super, super, uh, super green and really kind of hoppy 
and I think I bought it on the day that it had turned up at oh, the yeah. bottle shop, and then I had it in the East Bristol Brewery Trail uh, like a week later, um, and it was just really refreshing, really nice, um, a lot smoother and a lot sort of lighter than it had been in its its canned version. I think just because of that extra kind of week that yeah. um, that I'd left it. So hmm. I think that that's coming through with a lot of breweries like um our head brewer at the tower hill because it's an outpost so we've mm. got our own brewing kit and the head brewers just did a new england ipa a couple of weeks ago to west coast last week and i was chatting to him going over the brewer, the beers and things and we decided that we're going to hold on to the beer in the maturation tank for an extra week each time yeah because um he uh, basically decided that everything's tasting a little bit too green every time it comes out yeah, he did a New England one last week that was called uh, "Ticket to the Tropics," and the first week I ha- had a taste. And I was like, "It's nice," but there's so much Simcoe mm. that it's just killing it at the end. You know, it's supposed to be in New England, but it's so dry and bitter, resinous in the end. Right. And then a week later, it was tasting absolutely stunning. You know, all that resinous, all that sort of dry, bitter sort of finish had just sort of faded off. Faded. Um and you know, you got all the juicy sort of fruits. It was absolutely lovely. Nice. Good, good. Adol, we'll come to you. The hmm. red stripe, how is it? Uh, the nose is uh, kind of muted. It smells like a lager, but it doesn't have that, you usually get that sort of nutty dankness right off the top. It's actually really, I was expecting more of a lager nose, actually, mm. especially given that I kind of poured it poorly, so it had quite a bit of head. Yeah. But, Holy crap, that is... It's a lot of water off the top. <laughs> it's quite a wet beer. <laughs> um, not a lot to it. Um, mm. It has a little bit of soy. It's a 4.7%, so it is the same alcohol as Callum's first beer. Um, yeah, it's it's so wet, and then it kind of gets a little sweet at the end. Uh, in the finish, but there's almost none, none of your characteristic lager taste. I haven't had a red stripe in years, but it is barely a beer tasting beer. Mm. Like usually, lagers have that bit of that nuttiness uh, as the backbone of the taste, and that's just not there. So it sort of goes yeah. from this is wet to a little sweet, a touch dry, and then nothing. So that that lasts a little bit, almost a little appley, I want to say. Okay, that's it. So that's all I'm getting. I mean, I could probably like focus in and try and dig for more things, but that's not what we're doing. <laughs> String us um, on for five minutes as it tries to form on what is sort of. Uh... I mean, I did just finish a coffee. Yeah. But so yeah, on subsequent sips, that sweetness is starts a little sooner than 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 maybe I described earlier. But yeah, it is. It is it's wet, light. Refreshing. I mean, like I said, that sweetness is almost like a like a sweet appleiness, like mm. just like like an apple juice. So, like, yeah, I can pound this. If I was in the sun, this would probably already be gone. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that's all we need to say about that. That's all right. I mean, first I, red stripe of the podcast probably won't saying, be the last. I'm looking forward around. to the Instagram post that you will have to give because I did remember to take a photo of nice. This. Good. So you will have to post it as a tasted beer, and we will have <laughs> 70 million followers. If that's you're in the head. fine, that's fine. It's okay, I don't mind. We'll put up whatever beers we drink, all of them are good. Photos, yes. 
I've taken one of mine as well, I think. Um, so, Verdant. Too many opinions, for short. It's got a big nose, and it's a nice nose as well. There's a lot of tropical fruit coming off of that. I have had a taste, so the nose I'm now getting is, is slightly skewed, but... Getting a lot of the... Getting a lot of the Simcoe more than anything else, I think. But in the flavour, it's 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 got such a it's got such a big but um, kind of delicate bitterness, a big bitterness in the way that it kind of dominates, but delicate that it's not uh, you know it's not a harsh bitterness. It's actually kind of very easy to to pass, and the fruity kind of flavours that I'm getting at the start. They come back towards the end of the beer as well. As that bitterness starts to fade slightly, those fruity notes do pop back in. Proper West Coast. You're making me want some of that one. Yeah. It is It is really nice. It does have that, I know it said, um, like, that resinous sort of nature to it. And you get that in the mouthfeel as well. It has that slight slick kind of feel to it too. Um, it's got a little bit of a pininess to it as well. Going along with that bitterness, um, you know, combining very well with those with those fruity sort of flavours, a little bit of grapefruit, maybe a little bit of a little bit of orange in there as well, perhaps. I think there's a lot going on to try and pick out like individual sort of citrus or tropical kind of fruit flavours. You know, there's a lot of melding of these five different hops going on to kind of maybe alter very slightly what I'm sort of, uh, you know, what you would characteristically say, oh, that's obviously coming from, you know, the Chinook or that's coming from the Columbus or... So, what is there? Simcoe, Amarillo, Cascade, Columbus and Chinook. There we go. Yeah, I just so, don't know exactly what's coming from what. Exactly, exactly. I know it said it's got... Um, the, the, the malts in there are extra pale ale and caramalt are not really, you know, not getting a huge amount, I don't think, from the malts, but whether there's just that that essence of that slight creaminess, that smoothness combined with that slick sort of resininess to give me more of a, the body of the beer, that, that perhaps they're just there to more easily combine those hops in there as well, to tie things together a little bit. Just help carry everything through. Mm, exactly, exactly. And it, it sounds like that that's given there's so much going on that it sounds like the actual taste curve, as I call it, like it's quite smooth. Like it, it is, like, mm. they're actually carrying things through. You're not finding like it's not one of those things where you're finding like sort of quick transitions. Or how's that? Um, it, it it does all flow very nicely. I mean, everything kind of comes in quite quickly as well. So it's not sort of here's you know here's a little bit of the hops. Here's where the malts kind of come in a little bit. Then here's how the hops go into a nice bitterness and you know that kind of the, the way that that sort of works it is very much everything is kind of there and kind of highlights very slightly at different stages so i mean even as soon as you you taste it you do get that slight bitterness to it and obviously the hops are there a little bit first or the fruity sort of notes are there a little bit first and then that bitterness kind of eases up and in, and suddenly it's all bitterness, you know, a nice light kind of delicate bitterness. And then that fades very slightly back into those fruit notes, which when you drink it a little bit more, you realise have always been there, even through that bitterness. You know, the first couple of sips of this beer, you're very much like, whoa, there's the fruit, and there's the bitterness. And then right. kind of as that is sat on my palate a little bit more, as I'm kind of 
you know, drinking through this, it everything sort of sticks around and everything melds together really well. Um, I mean, it's 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 very easy. Um, I would I'm, say there I'm is maybe slightly a slightly jealous. I don't know. I was already is... jealous when Callum described his, and you're just. Yeah, yeah. I've, been, I've been told that that was a really good West Coast, so you've just sort of confirmed it. Yeah, yeah, it is. It really is. I think maybe with the slightly, um, with a slightly higher eight percent, I am getting a little bit of. Uh, a little bit of uh, of alcoholy sort of sweetness in there as well. I did wonder at first whether it was something like the caramel, just giving me a little bit more of a, a slightly sort of sweetened um, flavour running through. But I think it's maybe the alcohol instead, because it is coming through as a little bit more, a little bit kind of uh, of a dankness on there as well, and just that that sweetness kind of right at the end of the flavor after i've left it you know and i've not sipped it now for say like 90 seconds two minutes or something i am left with that slightly dank hoppy note and a a slightly stewed kind of sweetness to it as well so i think that eight percent shows a little bit not necessarily in the flavor but after you've left it for a, a short while which again is another reason for me to just pick it up and have some more any excuse and keep drinking this every 30 seconds 20 seconds 10 seconds you guys so, talk i'm gonna just drink this can, can, can i just quickly ask what the um so the finish it's not is it is it pretty wet or dry like you just I, you said sort of come back at it 30 seconds and it sort of implies that it's, it's not drying you out at all i mean it's it, it is drying me out definitely i think yeah. just because i was trying to explain that i kind of uh left it a little bit sort of longer than i would do normally but already what i've spoken for 10 seconds and in and it, it, it's dry and i have got that dankness that slightly stewed sweetness to it uh so it is it is really dry and i think that's part of the the, the resinousy sort of slick mouthfeel to it as well that it kind of it goes down very easily and then suddenly it's like boom it's gone and you're left with that dankness you're left with that slight pininess as well in there that's pushing through just that little bit. I mean, I'm already halfway through I was gonna say, so, um, but it the like glass, it's not the full, not the full 440 mil can, but halfway through the glass, and I'm still picking out little notes from that as well. So, so it sounds like even though it sort of is dry enough that it's making you sort of reach for it, the taste is making you reach for it faster than that. So it's not a big deal that it's sort of yeah, I think so. You to drink I think it because so. the other it's, things are faster. Yeah, it's very much working. Everything that's working for it is making me want to just keep picking it up. I'm not going to complain. Good. Excellent. I should smash this back. Okay, let's drink these. And we'll move on to other topics. I have something that I want to talk about, but Callum, I know we, we concentrated on kind of, you know, what you're up to now and all those sorts of things. Did you bring anything to talk about? Have you, playing, have you found time to play anything? I've been playing a bit. I've, I've not played anything too in depth, but mm. I've been, you know, got my room, got my Xbox connected up. I've got to play a few games. Yeah. And I remembered I had Assassin's Creed Odyssey downloaded. Oh, yes. oh. I started playing that probably about six months ago. Uh, probably <laughs> only like probably five or six hours in. You know, I was only like level five or six. You know, still pretty lost. And I thought, you know, fuck it, I'll jump in. I'll see what happens. You know see if i can get yeah. back into the game without having to start because as with 
you've probably experienced the Skyrim result of, oh shit, I played Skyrim a year ago. I'll jump back in. Oh fuck, where am I? I'm just creating a new yeah, player because that's the best. That's the fun part. Yep. It's the it's the character development part that I love. You know, the role playing well, part, I, the building your I, players. You have never really gotten far in Skyrim for yeah. the same reason. I, I get to where my I get to level six and... and then go. I want a new guy. I want to make someone new. Uh, but no, I jump back in and I was instantly hooked again. Like mm. I keep seeing more people, you know, on all these gaming podcasts that look say, "Oh, I jump back into Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I forgot how good that game was." And yeah, it's it's not your classic Assassin's Creed because I didn't mm-hmm. like the originals because they were like linear. You know, they felt almost like platformers the way you're just running through a level, just doing what you're told, just jumping Going on things. Going to that one goal, yeah. sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like it was like you know, a more complex Mario. You run to the end goal, you get it done. Okay, right, next level, you run to that next goal, you get it done. Whereas this feels like a, you know, like a role-playing game. I'm building mm. up Cassandra, I'm developing her exactly how I want. I, I do was have just going to ask if you were Cassandra or whoever the other dude is. Yeah, I had to go Cassandra. Yeah. I was like, yeah, because I bought it about probably a year after everyone else, had, you know, after it had been out. And mm. so every single review said you've got to go with Cassandra, so I was like, well, I'll I'll, I'll follow that bandwagon there. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll listen. I'll listen to this advice just once. I normally like to go against the crowd, but I'll listen to your advice this once, and it's paying off. But I was a bit sort of this week. I've been like, I've just started getting into the depths of it. So there's a few spoilers here, but nothing big. Where you actually sure. get into the main game, and you've got your faction. You got like the sparta and the athenians and you've got mm-hmm. to fight for one or the other and sort of start taking over land and i was like oh shit who do i fight for like do i just stick with sparta and just work for them or do i stick with the athenians and so i played it a couple of hours a day and i was like oh fuck it i'm a mercenary you know the whole point of this is you just kill everyone so you know i'm just doing my own quest just following my own storyline whoever gets in my way i'll kill <laughs> so that's about it now. Merc- any any mercenaries come and try and kill me no you're dead. Oh, you've put a bounty on my head. I can't kill everyone that's going to come after me. I'll kill you instead and just get the bounty put away. Nice. And so, I don't play it that much. I play it for... It's one of those games that you say, I'm going to jump in, but you know you need at least an hour or two to jump yeah. in properly because it takes that while to get in. But I've been loving it. Really, really enjoying it. Um, Before then, I was playing a bit of Apex. Because that was one of those games that I saw that was free. I downloaded it when I was in Australia, when it first came out. And I really enjoyed it. Really loved it. You know, it was hooked. And it's still a good game. You know, I jumped in when it was had the big following, you know, loads and loads of people playing it. And I'm still enjoying it, but you just feel like you don't get that invested in it, if you know what I mean. Right. It's a game that you'll jump in, you'll go around, you'll do a couple of rounds, and then you'll jump out again, and there's not much else happening. Mm. And so I was just like, I need a proper game. That's why I jumped back into the Assassin's Creed. Right. Uh, Do you you often play first-person sort of multiplayer-type things? Not really, no. Like, I've got uh, COD, and I played that for a bit, but it's very much I like either... You're a first-person multiplayer, you know, you just jump in and you shoot whatever moves. You don't have to think. Or I like my RPGs. So I like to have, you know, character development, character building sort of stuff. You know, I like to see a character, you know, evolve over time. You know, getting new armor, getting new skills, all that sort of stuff. It's probably from my, as 
uh, Ben knows probably from the whole architecture background is you like mm. to see something grow and build over time. Uh, so that's what I quite enjoy about RPGs, but it's sort of you've got to have a bit of time investment to them. Yeah, very <laughs> much. Same with why I like strategy games is you like to see something build up over time. Uh, but upon seeing that I was joining this podcast, I also thought I'd jump into the new game Dauntless. Oh, okay. The mm. Monster Hunter clone. Right. And yeah, the, um, by Epic, I think it is. Yeah, or it is, yeah. Epic. Is it Epic? And yeah. yeah, I jumped into that, thought, oh, this would be quite cool. You know, I've, I've been wanting to get into Monster Hunter for so long and never have. Mm. So I'll do this, you know, it's Monster Hunter Light. And mm. I've never played Monster Hunter, but to call it Monster Hunter Light is probably pretty accurate. Because I played probably two hours and I've not gone back to it. It was just, <laughs> there was okay. nothing there. You know, it's what's okay. cool about it is it's that it's, you know, what we were talking about, the whole cross platform, you know, ushering yeah. in the cross platforms and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but I did two or three monster hunts and things like that. And the first two, I jumped in. Two other people jumped out, and then I was running around this forest for like half an hour. Couldn't find the thing I was supposed to kill. And you're just like, right. it just feels a little bit dead, if you know what I mean. Like, there's not much yeah. happening, and it's very much a. If you want to get into it, you've got to put in hours and hours and hours and mm. grind and grind and grind. And for some, they'll probably love it. For but for me, when you've got only so much time, you can game and you can actually get into it. It's yeah. not really worth it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, completely. It definitely, I think plays to the um, like to the one game crowd, doesn't it? You know, that's yeah. the game that they're going to to play and to put hours and hours into. Uh, we 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 tend to have a lot of games like that now that that they want they want all of your time. You know, yeah. you have people that just play FIFA all of the time. You have people that just play Call of Duty all of the time. We're starting to see things like Apex Legend, uh, Dauntless, things like that coming out that want to have a little bit of that space that they they want to be you know they want the the monster hunter world people to kind of to come over to them and be like oh i'll play this because you know the whatever it's iceborne or something like that that the, the expansion that's coming out for monster hunter world isn't for a while i've done everything i can do in this game here's something similar let's jump into this and then you know they'll just try and keep the hooks in you if you like that loop of, of what they're providing um, you do kind of I, I think I'm, I'm you know I'm like you Callum I kind of I like something that is maybe a little bit more involved but I find now more with my time that I like something that's a little bit shorter it's one yeah. of the reasons why I never jumped into like Nino Kuni 2 even though I absolutely adored um, Nino Kuni I just know that I haven't got the time to put into something that big at the moment and these mm. kind of you know these these games that just want you to play them you know i've never played apex legend um i've i've dabbled when it was free in the call of duty blackout trial but that was put down very quickly after the trial finished so uh it didn't you know hold me enough for me to buy it because i know that i just cannot put time into these endeavors anymore and it's not just a game, it's a fucking endeavour. It's like a job sometimes to have to yeah. put in 30 hours a week to not just be shot in the head in the first 30 seconds of a match. Just feels a little bit like... It's a great It's great to have these games for certain people. Um, yeah. But, I know, you know, like you add all, you don't, we don't have the time to kind of put into something that, you know... 
that well, absurd, yeah, I also, really. I also think that it's not even just the time, but I don't like the design of the choices that the industry has gone, where because they need to do games as a service, um, yeah. because they want to be all of your time, you aren't competitive to sort of like pick it up and play a little bit and then come back two months later and play in a match. You just can't do that. Like I remember I had a few, when Team Fortress 2 first came out, I played, I mean, I worked at IT, so everyone was, got it, and we played a bunch, mm. and then we took a few months off, and we came back, and I mean, yeah, they were, they changed the classes, and you had to learn things, but that was it, like, you, you weren't, it was like, yeah, your generic skill with the game was what made you outclassed, not actually literally being outclassed. Yeah. Because the class you're playing is garbage, because it doesn't have enough levels of experience. Like, I don't like that we don't... I mean, this is one of the reasons why I was really disappointed with Unreal Tournament finally being scrapped, because I played a couple of um, rounds of their, you know, infinite beta before they killed it, and it mm. was like old-school Unreal Tournament. Like, there yeah. was no progression of character. There was just progression of skill, and you just hop in a match, and you, you know, drop people. And I want a game where we can get randos and friends yeah. to come in and do that. Why, why is this, does this not exist anymore? Yeah, like that's the thing. I I like I I love the Call of Duty Black Ops, the Call of Duty multiplayer when I was playing it, but mm. like you're saying, you don't feel like you're getting anything out of it, which is why I then jumped into the um, Assassin's Creed because I was like, if I'm gonna sink, you know, two or three hours every couple of days in, I want to feel like I'm actually getting something out of it, and that way I'm getting some storyline, I'm developing a character, I'm not just jumping into game after game just to get, you know. 12 to 1 kill-death ratio. Yeah. And it's like, I'm just spending my life looking at a respawn screen. <laughs> uh, so, that's why I jumped into that. And that's why, you know, when you're talking about Unreal Tournament and things there, it made me realize the game that I've enjoyed the most, probably in the past, probably ever since I started uni. Actually, no, at the start of uni, I was loving Call of Duty because I had mates and flatmates and things that we were playing with. But since I started gaming more by myself, the game that I've enjoyed the most has been Doom. Yeah, oh, I think that's that single player. You can jump in, and if you've got six hours, you're gonna have a fucking awesome six hours. If you've got mm -hmm. thirty minutes, you're gonna have a fucking awesome thirty minutes. You really don't need any more than that. You can get through a couple of checkpoints in thirty minutes. Just jump in, blast your way through. You don't need other people to play it with. I think it was just such an ex exceptional game, and like you've, I've heard you guys say so many times, and Lucy say so many times, the soundtrack to that was one of the best soundtracks in games yeah. ever. Oh. It was just just addictive. I you know, I don't game that much, but it was one of those games that I would literally look forward to getting back to playing every single day after work because it was just so so I just thought it was perfectly put together, uh, first person shooter. It was, it was. And I, I, I think it, it definitely uh, speaks to the impression that Doom has had on kind of everybody when as soon as you said the word my instant thought was Lucy just saying, "Oh my god," because yeah. of, her, of her love for that game. Like, it's just it, it's it's it, yeah. Doom is just Doom is kind of like something else in this sea of uh, games, which kind of try and repeat a lot of the things that other games are trying to do. And Doom just kind of went, "Yeah, we are going to repeat games, but games from years and years ago. We're not going to worry about all of this sort of stuff." We're just going to let you just rip and just absolutely smash through these levels and things. Hopefully, Doom Eternal continues that and not much has 
changed in your kind well, of I mean, like progression through that and things. So. They've done a good job keeping the spirit with the like the, the Wolfenstein sequels. Yes, yeah. So I have faith that that they know that they have, they have the ability to recognize what the community has embraced about their games mm. and double down on. Yeah, unlike Fallout seventy six, but <laughs> we won't we won't go there. Hey. It's different developers. It's, you know, similar, same publisher, but it's different developers. So we don't have to worry about those things so much. So um, I'm going to jump into uh, my topic because I just want to very lightly touch on um, how game reveals or at least information on games are kind of delivered to us these days. And I kind of want to talk about this because of the way that Death Stranding had been delivered over the last kind of two or three days to us in terms of getting its uh, its reveal or its release date at least. Um, so for those of you who uh, are unaware, Death Stranding is a game by Kojima Productions. Um, Hideo Kojima broke away from Konami and is making a game under Kojima Productions has been for about three or four years now, roughly, um, and it's a currently it's a PS4 exclusive. And the way that he chose to, or I, I would imagine it's very much his decision, being who he is, being Kojima. Uh, the way he chose to uh, present the release date was by. Um, using the PlayStation Twitch channel for about 21 hours to show a continuous live feed of the, you know, a trailer for the game was playing, but the screen was black. And every now and again, a handprint appeared on the screen and took out part of that blackness to, you know, give you a side view of that trailer. And they appeared kind of sporadically over and I don't know whether that was a timed thing I don't know whether it was a viewer count kind of thing um, but suddenly uh, I think about five o'clock ish about quarter past five yesterday which is the 29th um, it was the date that they'd been giving so they were obviously going to do it on the 29th yeah uh, but uh, about quarter past five ten past five um, on the 29th all of those hands then or the blackness disappeared as the hands came down and then there was about an eight minute trailer for the game really long beefy absolutely beefy i mean um it's kojima so you knew it was going to be a giant cutscene completely so there's it's kojima there's theater around this um and with playstation not having a, a show at e3 they are providing these state of plays they to, to, to give their details they are allowing people like kojima to kind of do what they want and use the resources that they have um but the question to you guys mm. do you do you like the more traditional method of reveals a la e3 and trade shows and things if someone coming out on stage going here's a trailer for our new game and this is the release date or do you want this slow build? Do you want this sudden, like, yeah. tune in tomorrow, yeah, and help. here it is? <laughs> Just don't even finish it. I mean, this yeah. is exactly what fucking No Man's Sky blew up. Fuck off with uh, the slow build. 
I actually <laughs> want... I, what I really liked is... Uh, I can't even remember the names. A few games now have been like, this is coming out next week. Or like with the Nintendo Directs, where it's like, here's a big splashy like time, and also this is out right now. Here's the game you didn't know existed. It exists mm. now. Buy the fucking game. I don't like hype cycles. Uh, I think they've gotten over out of hand. I grew up not having them. We definitely don't need them. Like, I, I think, especially with... Um, yeah, especially with just like the E3 trickery of like gameplay versus not gameplay video the past 20 years, people doubting things like, and then with things like No Man's Sky doubling down on that, where even the gameplay and like the, the, the notions of features are now doubtable, it yeah. just shows that like marketing is doing its own thing. And also, really, like, this is, I don't even really need to see trailers for movies anymore. I'm like kind of out of the teaser. Trailer, yeah. trailer two, mm. year and a half in advance thing. Um, with movies, it makes sense to have a trailer. With games, it kind of makes sense to have a trailer, but more often than not, like this one was mostly not gameplay, but I'm not going to watch a movie. Mm. Regardless of what Kojima wants to do. But like, this is bullshit. Like, I don't need to know all this stuff. There are enough games out there that I don't need to like want, I don't need my brain to be like fed endorphin fuel for a year and a half of me wishing I was playing a game that wasn't in front of me instead of playing games I could play. Like even yeah. on the psychological level this isn't doing anyone any good and it's setting everything up to be a letdown, even just marginally or people have to double down and say no, <laughs> this is the best game ever because I've been looking forward to it for five years straight so there's no mm. way it could be bad because it was bad that means I fucked up the past five years and I couldn't be doing that because I couldn't live with myself so it must be the best. No, it's great that you can't aim well and it's super jank. That's totally part of the design because the world is jank, guys. It's part of the design. Like <laughs> That kind of shit comment comes out of this like over investment, which this type of hype cycle just feeds into. Yeah, that's yeah. I, those pretty much summed up my thoughts exactly, pretty much <laughs> perfectly. Like I'm very much a. You don't need more than one trailer for a movie. You mm -hmm. don't need more than one trailer for a fucking game, because what's the point if you if you're not hooked on that first one? There's no point getting involved in it then. And I say that despite the fact that every time I see a trailer for Cyberpunk 2077, yeah. I'm like, shit, what's happening? I want to see it. But I'm also worried at the same time that that build-up and the fact that I'm seeing so many trailers and so much hype for it, no matter what happens, is I'm going to be exactly that person that goes and buys it first day and plays it for 20, 30 hours, despite the fact that it's shit. <laughs> and telling, to my, telling myself that, no, this is a fucking great game. The guys that made Witcher 3 made this game. It's brilliant. Even if it's shit, because I've invested so much of my personal time and my sort of, you know, my self worth in this game, mm. and you know, I've built myself up to playing this game for the past, you know, it's a year now probably since I've, it got announced, and I'm building myself up to buying it. That's one of the reasons I'm not buying any more big games, because I know this is the next one I'm going to buy. And if it's shit, what the fuck do I do then? I don't. I've only got so much money I can spend on games and beer. So, yeah, it's. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm very much. Uh, I I like a. In my opinion, I would much rather games and even movies didn't even release trailers. You know, it was very much a. Or you know, the trailer was released a week before it was released. 
you know, that sort of, oh, this is what we've been working on. It's available now. Mm. And that would get me so much more hyped. Yeah, and so that, uh, you know, translating more into, uh, like, sales, uh, you know, the week after. So if a game or a, a film trailer releases, like, the week before, suddenly you're like, wow, that's that's next week. Fuck, I, I'll book in and I'll plan to go to the cinema to see it. Or yeah. I'm going to carve out some time rather than like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Oh, it's here. I was going to say, I think, like... Honestly, I would probably go to the movies more often if mm. I saw the trailer like a couple weeks before. Because then it's like, oh, that movie looks awesome, and I'm still feeling it looks awesome. Versus, yeah, oh, it's coming out in a year and a half. It's the same weekend or month that these three other movies that look awesome are coming out. So I guess I'll have to pick this one. And when it yeah, ends that's... up happening, like in the past year and a half, I used to always go to the movies. I I don't go to the theater. I still haven't seen Endgame, and that's, I've seen but... I've seen every Marvel movie. That's exactly the reason I'm thinking about going to the cinema my next day off to see Godzilla and not to see John Wick 3. Mm. Because John Wick 3 has been built up and built up and built up. I feel like I've seen half the damn movie already. Godzilla, yeah. I was at the cinema watching Pokemon, I think it was, the Detective Pikachu, yeah. and this Godzilla movie trailer popped up. And oh, I was like, it looks is, there another, is, there, is there another Godzilla? Holy yeah. shit. There's like loads of fucking monsters in this. This looks awesome. I want to see this. And I'd not heard about it until two or three days ago when I had my last day off. And I was like, yeah, I want to go see that. Mm. Whereas if it had been built up and built up and built up, you know, I wouldn't give it a damn. But because it's just seen the trailer just before it's been released, you know, that's the next movie I want to go see. Well, and I think mm. especially because now we know everything's going to come to Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever eventually. Yeah. Like Even these blockbuster movies, I'm like, yeah. I, I would love to watch some of these on on the big screen, but like Shazam would look or will look great better in a theater than I'll ever watch it at home. But also, yeah. there were so many movies coming out. Yeah, I'll, I'll, this one I'll trade that up. Well, if I saw that first, like that first trailer of Shazam was so good. Like if it was out within a month, I would have seen it in the theaters because I I, I know it's a type of movie that's better in theaters and it was fresh, right? Mm. Um, I will say that like the one thing I will say caveat with with games, I could see some space for like a like flavor sort of cutsceney teaser, and then like a few months or like earlier, and then the actual gameplay more gameplay based trailer because games have this narrative element and this gameplay element. What I hate is when you get like the Death Stranding had like what maybe forty five seconds of gameplay yeah. in the eight minutes of, of trailer yeah. and that gameplay wasn't that convincing. I'm like, well I'd rather I'd rather see two different trailers in that case where you do mm. your like super this is the theme, these are the thematic elements, it's a very narrative based game, so like we need to establish these things and then something that was like, here's how it works. Maybe you might not like this. So, you know, rather than... I mean, obviously, PlayStation made a big deal of Kojima um, having left Konami coming over to make a game for PlayStation. So, you know, that reveal at E3 a few years ago, you know, was going to happen as a big yeah. sort of event sort of thing. So then with it, you know, what I'm getting from both of you is that you would have preferred it to go on, you know, very quiet, very dark for a little while. And actually... The reveal that we've just had to have been perhaps just something of a, a a light tonal sort of tease, you know, maybe giving a November Ooh. release date, but then in say, well, I I lost you. Okay. No, I personally I would have preferred that release that trailer they just had to have been 
within a week of release. Yeah. You yeah. Know, something like that would have been, you know, that would have worked up yeah. because you know, there's been such a build up to it. But now it's just like a, oh fuck, I gotta wait again. Mm. What, what trailer is gonna be next? You know, had it been just before, you know, even if it, they kept it, you know, with the handprints and the mystery, it would have, you know, it would have just built up on the hype of what the actual game was like. Yeah. Whereas you know that now the next trailer is going to be actual gameplay and actually show a bit more of the game, and it's just like, I know exactly what I'm buying into then. Yes. yes. Whereas part of this game, part of the mystery behind this is what the fuck is this game? Mm. And if they release, release that as a trailer, you know, people will probably buy it out of curiosity. Yeah. Especially, like you said, if it was like, you know, a month or a week front loaded. Like, yeah, or backloader, I should say, right? Like, just just a little bit of leeway. Then it's like, who wouldn't be like, "Fuck the crazy weird baby backpack game is out next week." We yeah. just heard about the baby backpacks. I need to fucking find out what these baby backpacks are. <laughs> also, Jesus Christ, there are baby backpacks in this game. <laughs> yeah, I, I only saw some part of the trailer, but I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Oh, probably please is not coming on Xbox because I don't have to buy it to work out what the hell's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just wait. I'm sure between Ben and myself, one of us is buying it right off the top. Hey, if if rumors are true, it'll be out on PC about six months after uh, after it's oh, on PlayStation. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Who fucking knows? No one knows, yeah. really. So, let's finish our conversation there for this week. Uh, Adol. Coffee. You had a beer. And a <laughs> Good. Glad, okay, one tasted more like beer, but not by a long lot. So <laughs> I'm giving I'm giving the drink of the week to the coffee because I don't want my record to have red stripe as my beer of the week. That's fair. And, and at it was least a good you coffee. Yeah, at least you could have imagined that it was a coffee, you know, porter or stout or something else going on with those with those flavors. So, Callum, uh, two beers. Yep. Do you have a, you have a preference? I think you probably know the multi track. By Brewdog yeah. was definitely the beer of the week for me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it wasn't. They pay you to say that. Yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I'm legally obliged to say that. Um, no, it's but no, yeah, it was definitely a better one. But no, it was it was good. I mean, it's it wasn't a great New England. I've had you know I've had a mm. couple of uh, pressure drops this week and a couple of local polys, and you know they've smashed it. You know yeah. they've not not this out the park, but as the you know as the New England compared to that IPA wasn't too bad and canned it was a lot better i mean you got my little um redecorating right there that i had to yeah. show off my little uh wardrobe that's now getting covered with um beer labels uh but God. it was a it was a good beer but you know nothing special basically okay. that's fair that's fair slight you correction. Me jealous. slight correction for you it's now polly's brew company i'm not Calling them Polly's Brews, I'm still calling them Loca Polly because Loca Polly is <laughs> such a better name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In my opinion. Unfortunately, yeah, was... yes. Yeah. But no, the, I, I think Loca Polly or Polly's Brews and Pressure Drop are the two breweries to watch in the UK right now. Mm. I know the two fastest growing and best improved breweries by a long, long way. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, my little definitely. I'd agree with that. Two cents on craft brewing there. Also, Good. what I've been looking down at, I just thought I'd let you know. You might be jealous. Probably not you, Idol. You could probably get a hold of it. 
just got a friend a message from a friend on Instagram, one of my beer followers, saying they're sending me some monkish. Oh. Which if the listeners don't know, is probably one of the most legendary breweries in the yes. world. Oh, Getting a man. triple IPA from Monkish. Shit, man. So, looking forward How do we to get that. these followers? Where yeah, are they? Well, Where do they exist? Well, you just gotta talk you just gotta talk shit on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> basically all it is and and then hashtag a load of craft brewery stuff at the end <laughs> nice we should build in with him as a guest and then making sure he shows for us <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> nice good so my two beers and um, what do i have yonder which was called uh ophelia and the verdant too many opinions watered down the original idea terrible name great beer um i think it is i mean it is the the west coast double ipa from verdant this week that i'm gonna pick um the ophelia from yonder was nice um doesn't give away that it's got that that very tart and sharp fruitiness to it expecting maybe a little bit more of a light sort of like farm ale something a little bit spiced and a little bit fruity but it, it, that 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 sort of sourness to it was was great and it was really nice a really nice sour but the uh west coast double ipa from verdant just uh you know really good example of a british brewed west coast beer uh doing everything that I kind of wanted it to do. Um, it's gone down really easily. At the end, like what I'm getting now from it is that slight fruitiness, lovely pininess in there as well, leading into that bitterness and everything flowing really, really well and leaving me with this lovely kind of aftertaste. Um, really well made from Verdant. Uh, and one that hopefully, you know, they've been um, putting out a few beers that they um, that they brewed last year as well. So we're starting to see kind of like a few more repeats of of what they've been what they've been brewing. Like Pulp has kind of had a rebrew, and um, oh, I forgot the one with the green label that's um, that's just had a rebrew as well. Yeah, the one but, that was with other half. I hate brewing that they did. Oh, I know, I know they're releasing one this week that was their collaboration they did with Other Half like six months ago, and they're releasing the same beer again. Oh, really? Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. It's oh, I'll be able to find it probably pretty quickly, but I'll let <laughs> you know. Yeah. You look, you look, um, and let us know in a second. But I, I hope this beer is one that that you know gets another re-release that that they think actually this is one of our, our, our really kind of um, one of our beers that showcases Keep what we can do with a certain style and is super interesting this is what we want to be putting out there to people you know Verdant known for being kind of like juice bombs yeah. um, for having that kind of style this does work with that west coast style really really well and it's a very lovely showcase of that so uh, hopefully this builds into their rotation um, so that's it Excellent. for the verdant so whilst callum is searching for that other yeah. verdant beer uh, adol if people want to talk to you how do they do so oh uh, i guess Ooh. they come to canada <laughs> quick flight uh, you, got you can reach me on instagram and twitter and all of the 
all of the things at the Omniarch, T-H-E-O-M-N-I-A-R-C-H. Um, you can also reach us at tankedupcast at gmail.com yep. or tankedupcast on Instagram and tankedup underscore cast on, on Twitter. Twitter. Did I yes. fix that? Yeah, that's right. That. Yeah. Um, yeah, so let us know what you think about the things we spoke about and the beers we had. Um, and if they want to speak to you directly, Ben, how would they do that? Oh, they go to at number underscore 47 on Twitter, on Instagram, pretty much everywhere that I have a presence. So, Callum, yeah, did you find the beer? I think it was Cloudboard I was talking about because I couldn't <laughs> find it on Verdant, but I did just see. <laughs> Verdant just released again there. Um, even cloud, even sharks need water. Oh yeah, yeah. So they do. They do like releasing their new beers. I've got what that the person that sent me that monkish is also sending me one of them. Oh, so yeah. they they do like to re-release beers. So yes, and yeah. I'm yeah. sure they'll do that again with that one. Hopefully, uh, yeah. 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 So if you want to follow me on Instagram, um, you've basically got to be in a craft beer if you do because there's nothing gaming related on my instagram it's just <laughs> beer uh but it's damn the degree because uh as i know ben probably knows i've got a couple of master's degrees from spending 12 years studying university and uh despite that i'm now a barman uh so yeah i've not really done much with those degrees so i thought <laughs> i might as well uh make use of that my instagram name so damn the degree on instagram and my um, Xbox Live is Osiris Incarnate, which nice. is a name that I got years and years ago when I was obsessed with Egyptian mythology. So I thought, oh, Osiris. Kind of wrong Assassin's Creed. Yeah. So mm. oh, I've, I've played Origins as well, but I've been told Odyssey's a lot better. So, yeah. Uh, that's pretty much everywhere to find me. You'll see me that's... on the old Facebooks and things. But, yeah, Instagram and Xbox is the way to go. Good, good. Well, thank you very much, Callum, for joining us this week. Pleasure. It's been great. Good. I'm glad. You've gone from listener to now attendee. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what the uh, cool people that come Guest. Out. The guest. word is guest. Guest. He was our guest this week. It's like Double you IPAs make me forget <laughs> <Yeah>. words. <laughs> We're like a, almost 170 years in, and you just learned the word guest. <laughs> <laughs> remember go to outoflives.net to look at articles and reviews and other podcasts and things like that it's actually really interesting despite my voice do that go there so for another week we've been tanked up bye bye see ya <laughs> I didn't know whether I was supposed to say anything of course you yeah, We all say goodbye. I was waiting for you, Eddie-o. No, but I always end with ciao. Ah. That's okay. Au revoir. I mean, now we've got a good outro where we're just going to slowly talk until we stop. And then ben yeah, uh, I, I love the slow fades that are just scrapping shit at the very end. Yeah. www.outoflives.net